How strange for a yard sale to be put out in the snow. Folding tables with loosely arranged items threatening to spill over. I was two turns away from my house when I saw the tables lining the driveway. With no real plan other than relaxing at home for the weekend, I gave in to my curiosity and stopped on the side of the road, just at the edge of the yard. It was a tan house with an attached garage. Standard fare for the neighborhood. The garage door was open, and setting just inside at a small table was an old woman, wrapped in a large coat and knitted hat. A personal heater with glowing red coils rested at her feet. The snow crunched as I walked, and she looked up from her phone to greet me with a smile. I nodded politely back as I approached the tables. There were odds and ends, porcelain figures, gardening tools, and other things that would look at home setting in a forgotten box in an attic. Nestled between a tea pitcher filled with wooden cooking utensils and a miniature coat rack displaying costume jewelry was a box. A piece of paper with the word, Books, written and underlined in marker, was taped to it. Most of them were romance novels with wrinkled and tattered covers, recipe books from unknown authors, but I found an impressive-looking biography of a French king, and a large, full-color book filled with astronomy pictures. I scanned the other items on my way to pay the woman, and saw a wicker basket with a free sign on it next to her, filled with various items. I had set the books on the table and was making small talk while I retrieved my wallet when I noticed the video camera box in the basket. It was an old handheld, the kind that took small tapes, hiates. I asked her why she was giving it away instead of selling it, and she said that one day it broke and stopped recording and playing tapes. She always meant to fix it, but so much time had passed that her granddaughter converted all of her tapes to digital and put them on her phone. All of the cables were in the box, she assured me. I couldn't pass up the novelty. With nothing in mind other than tinkering on it, I placed it on top of the books, said my thanks and goodbye after paying, and was back inside my warm car to finish the short drive to my house. After dinner, I sat on the floor in the living room with the camera, bathed in blue light. A pair of cables ran to the television, and another for the charger into the wall. The battery was completely dead, which was expected, and the pop-out screen on the side seemed non-functional. No combination of button presses or careful hinge movement gave even a hint of a flicker, so I had plugged it into the television to see what I was working with. The interface was basic, as were the buttons on the side. Record, stop, play, rewind, fast-forward, and eject. Below were standard, color-coded RCA outputs. There was a zoom toggle placed where the thumb would naturally rest when holding it by the strap, and a power button below that. It was a no-frills, Spartan design, and probably fell on the cheaper side when it came out. My first inspection of it struck me as odd. Despite being in a labeled box, the camera itself was unbranded. Not a hint of a logo, sticker, or even serial number. Most likely a knockoff, which could explain why it stopped working. A small tape was inside the box, in a plastic case wrapped and sealed in cellophane. 
I tried to pick at the folded edge with my fingernail, but it refused to budge, and I opened it with the scissors I kept in the kitchen drawer. Flashbacks of frustration when trying to open a new CD case gave me a smile and scoff. The tape bay closed with a satisfying click, and I pressed record. A red dot appeared on the screen, flashing in the corner. I pressed play and let the tape run for a few seconds while I panned the camera around the living room, the gears whirring to life inside for the first time in who knew how long. I repeated, test, the entire time to test the audio as well. After panning half the room and back again, I stopped it, then rewound the tape and pressed play. A large pixelated triangle appeared in the top corner of the screen, but everything remained blue with no sound. I twisted and moved the RCA cables to no avail. Rewinding and trying multiple times yielded the same result. I sighed and unplugged it from the television, placing it on the coffee table with the charger still plugged in. My plan was to let it charge for a while and try again to see if it was some sort of strange battery issue. After my customary nightcap, I cleaned the dishes from dinner and bagged up the trash from around the house. I threw on my boots and coat before stepping out and quickly closing the door behind me. The orange glow of the streetlights shone across the fresh layer of snow like sparkling crystals. Small flakes drifted densely and lazily through the calm air. I walked past the garage to the end of the house and threw the bag into the trash can the snow sliding off in a large sheet as I raised the plastic lid open. The temperature had lowered considerably after I got home, and it was biting cold outside. The road had no tire tracks. All signs of recent activity quietly brushed over and leveled out. I inhaled deeply and let out a billowing cloud of breath. A shiver ran through my spine and I went back to the front door. After knocking the snow from my boots, I pulled them off and set them on the mat inside. I had just hung up my coat and locked the door when I heard a low, muffled voice. My breath caught in my chest as I looked around for the source. The television was off. I hadn't turned on anything else. It was almost rhythmic in its repetition. I placed my hand on the deadbolt behind me. I slid the lever to the unlocked position when a strange recognition washed over me. It was my voice from trying the camera earlier. Test. 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 Then a soft click, and it stopped. My hand moved to my pocket to grab my phone, and it wasn't until I found nothing that I remembered setting my phone on the coffee table. I crept to the knife block in the kitchen and removed the largest one, tightly gripping it with the blade pointing downward. I cautiously rounded the corner for the living room. The camera was lying exactly where I left it. The tape suddenly spun and made me jump, almost crying out. It stopped for a moment, then... Test. Test. It spun again as I approached it. Test. Again. Test. 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 Eyeing the hallway as I moved, 
I squatted down and flipped open the camera screen. It was actually on. There were dark spots all over that looked like it had been pressed too hard and killed parts of the screen. The gears whirred as it flashed two left-facing triangles in the top corner, barely visible. A single right-facing triangle and it started playing. My voice came out of the tiny speaker a few times before it stopped playing completely, then fast-forwarded, played, rewound, stopped. I sighed in relief as I realized that the damaged screen was sending random commands. Enough jostling it earlier, maybe letting it charge, seemed to have at least temporarily revived it. I put the knife down on the coffee table and unplugged the charger from the camera. It continued to behave erratically, so I pressed and held the power button. It finally stopped as it shut off, and I powered it back on with the screen closed. There were no more noises. Still calming myself, I took it over to the television and plugged the RCA cables back in. The screen lit up blue and I rewound the tape as far as it would go before pressing play. The video started immediately this time. It was facing the wall and moving left towards the kitchen. My voice came out of the large speakers as the camera journeyed to the end of the room and started back again. The quality wasn't great, but that was to be expected when dealing with something that old. It moved along the wall and I frowned at how bouncy it was. Maybe I wasn't as steady-handed as I thought. Past the chair and lamp, moving toward the wall opposite the kitchen with the television. As it went across the hall entryway, I involuntarily crawled backwards, grabbing the knife off the table and rising to my feet as fast as I could. On the television screen was the woman from the yard sale, wearing her coat and hat. She was standing just inside the hallway looking into the camera. She stood with her arms at her side. Her eyes reflected the light back like an animal's, despite the room being brightly lit. She was mouthing the word test as I spoke it, her exaggerated movements in perfect sync with my speech. I stared at the empty spot in the hallway as the video finished and silent static filled the screen, the room flickering with white light. There was nothing there. How did I miss her, I thought. No, she definitely wasn't there. I, w I was sure of it. Blue light filled the room as the tape rewound, and then played again on its own. I panned over the chair and lamp before it crossed a previously empty wall. Now, the woman was standing there, eyes still glowing. She was no longer looking at the camera. Instead, she was facing where I was heading. I frantically glanced back and forth as it played, at the screen and the unoccupied space. The tape rewound and played for a few seconds. She was by the chair. I turned and ran for the door. Before I could make it to the kitchen, claws raked down my back, tearing my shirt, causing me to scream. 
A force hit me, and I fell face first, barely enough time to put my arm between my head and the floor. Another claw dug into my flesh, and I could hear the pattering of my blood dripping onto the carpet between my screams. I rolled over on my back to see the woman hunched over me, one hand outstretched and covered in blood, eyes shining from the inside. Her mouth opened, and she emitted a scream that sounded exactly like mine. With a start, I remembered I still had hold of the knife. I swung with wild desperation and stabbed at her neck. She made no attempt to block it, and the blade sank into her. She stopped for a moment, then grabbed my hand and forced the blade deeper until it protruded from the other side. No blood was visible. She leaned closer to my face, opened her mouth, and screamed in my voice again. I screamed back out of fear and pain, trying to wrench my hand from her grasp to attack her again. Her grip was unrelenting. She raised her free hand and brought it down across my face, tearing the skin. Blood ran into my eye, and I closed it hard as I tried to kick and writhe myself free. Her hand shot to my neck and closed around it before another sound could escape. Her face was inches away from mine as her bright eyes watched with intent. I kicked my legs harder, but I was anchored in place by my arm her fingers squeezing the bone and getting tighter. I heard the sound of my door slam open and someone running with heavy footsteps. Before my body went numb from the lack of oxygen, she released me. She pulled away from me, letting go of my arm, the knife still stuck in her neck. I looked past her to see a man kneeling next to the camera. He popped the tape out and threw it on the floor, and the woman lunged at him. He upturned a small packet and poured what looked like yellow flour onto the tape. The woman froze in place. He scooped up the tape carefully and walked past me toward the front door. I called out for help, asking him to wait, but he ignored my pleas. My focus went back to the old woman as I did my best to move across the floor away from her and toward the door, the pain growing with each inch I put between us. Without warning, her entire form turned to black smoke and dissipated into the air. The man came back inside a few moments later, talking to someone on a cell phone. He was wearing simple street clothes and a light jacket. He walked past me to the video camera, unplugged it from the television, and balled up the cable in his hands. I asked for his help as he grabbed the charger and tucked it next to the camera under his arm. He looked at me and his face was sympathetic. I'm sorry, he said. My part is done. But they can help you. He left through the front door. Moments later, a group of people rushed through the door with medical equipment. I was slipping out of consciousness from blood loss, but they seemed to be some sort of paramedics. They flipped me over and dressed the wounds on my back before sliding me onto a stretcher, 
face down. I was lifted and carried across the room, out the front door. On the porch was a small burn mark, melted plastic still smoking with a pungent stench. I was taken quickly across the lawn to an ambulance that had no lights on. I saw the man hand over a wooden box to a small group of people. They nodded as they accepted it. He crossed the lawn and went out of sight, and a moment later a car engine started. I was lifted into the ambulance and some people jumped in behind me, speaking too fast for me to catch what they were saying. The doors closed, and that's when I blacked out. (laughs) 